Brett Magpion, it is time for us to have a conversation. Looking forward to it. <laughs> I think we met uh, at Hope Chapel. My guess would be in the early 90s, maybe late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, I'm sure that that's, yeah, early 90s, probably. And you, uh, you were single, but it didn't take long for that to change. And, <laughs> right. uh, you met Layla and and, uh, and then Brooke came along and um, and I've been, uh, it's been a great friendship and I've been honored to, you've been with me through the best of times and the worst of times. And I can't say that for all my friends and that's not a commentary as much about them as is it about you. So thank you for uh, walking with me through life. It's been great. You remember some of our times uh, in that book club. You remember that uh, book I club remember. that we had? I think you were you that the we met at Hennessy's, as yes, I recall, we did. and we started with Mind Comp. <laughs> you remember thinking, "What am I doing with in a bar reading Hitler with a couple of Christian brothers?" It was like a it was like a bad joke or something like that. But little did little did I know. Maybe you knew, but. This was going to be a trend for a lot of people. Like, I mean, Christian book clubs and bars has become a little bit more popular since the days we were doing it. Wow. But you, but you had the vision of let's get together in a public place, discuss intellectual topics. Let's not be afraid of reading something that isn't put out by Focus in the Family. Right. And and we were doing it. And so hats off to you for that. That was definitely one that was uh, it was very far out there. Um, I don't even remember what it was. I think we were just like, listen, let's try something really just kind of way out there. And that's exactly what it was. And it turned out that that book was way out there, obviously. But I remember going to Barnes & Noble and and going to the uh, to the counter and saying, do you have mind comp <laughs> having this feeling of like, right. Oh my goodness. This yeah. And this good. was before Amazon for those of you. On exactly. we, we didn't, we couldn't order and get it. And then two days later. And actually you know, I'm kind of glad that it's not in my Amazon order. That's history. true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Other people could, you know, maybe be on some watch list or something like that. Right. Yeah. But you, one thing, Brett, about you, you've been, when I think of you, I think of the word intentional. I wrote it in my notes for our, our time today. You've been very intentional about how you do your life and how and who you do your life with. And the 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 book club, before there were book clubs, but it was also about being in the marketplace and having conversations that were, were really um, not meant to be exclusively in the Christian context. So I think that was one of the things you did. And and I know that you you continue to press into those kind of things. Yeah, that's uh, it's kind of been the heartbeat. I don't know where it came from, but but certainly that has been the heartbeat. I mean, in my in my career, uh, I always found that I was in situations where I was the lone Christian, oftentimes mm -hmm. in in my work environment. That's not new for me. It's it's pretty commonplace, I'm sure. But you know, I was working in some very influential uh, situations, meaning that my clients were either financially very influential, um, business very influential, and cultural very influential. And I, it was interesting to be a person that I think I always felt like they had a view of the Christian person that was very different than what mm -hmm. they were experiencing mm -hmm. with me. And, and, and I enjoyed that and, and learned from that and, and wanted to, in a sense, kind of, uh, refine my, my skills from that standpoint, mm -hmm. um, in terms of being, 
uh, engaged and and part of the world, but not of the world, you know? Right. So um, that was, that was the deal. Yeah. And maybe that's, if we had more of that, we might be changing the cultural view of church, which is a longer road than changing a view of Christianity, but certainly engaging people around a God that most of them don't understand the way that, you know, I think the way that I try to ask the question is tell me about the God you don't believe in. Yeah, And in 99% of the time, I, I say, I agree with you. I don't believe in that God either. And then we have this sort of like define our terms moment. Right. right? Well, well, tell me about the God that you, that you promote at your church or the one that you believe in. Yeah. I'm glad you asked because you know I, I don't want to see us disagreeing over our terms. Right. Letting yeah. coming, coming that, let that become a divisive issue. Um, well, it was also, you know, I mean, there's, there's, if you're, if you have fun with it, you can mm -hmm. also, and, and in it, thinking about it in advance, it can be really fun. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I had a situation where uh, I was working with a couple of colleagues and we got on a conversation and they, they, one of them claimed to be an atheist and, and, you know, I'd have just back and forth with them and it wasn't argument. It was, it was more just like, okay, tell me about that or whatever the case sure. was very low level, not, not real heady stuff, a, but I turned to my hole and who do you call on? For yeah, exactly. I, I was in my, it was in my office. So I turned to my computer and I, and I typed up this contract and it said, I, and I put the guy's name in it hereby declare that I do not believe in God. And I handed it to him. I printed it and I handed it to him and I said, here, go ahead, sign this. Wow. And he said, I'm not signing that. I said, well, why not? He said, because <laughs> I don't want to sign it. I said, oh. well, but you said you're an atheist. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Put your money where your so, mouth is. Piece of paper. Was, I, I laughed. He actually laughed, you know, because it wasn't contentious. It was, it was kind of like, and then I looked at him with, you know, my, my face just saying, I'm not so sure that you're as much of an atheist as yeah. you think you yeah. are. Right. Right. That's a, what a, what a great conversation piece. Um, yeah, that was good. Hey, so speaking of that, you know, the other day you you were walking with Jaden and you ran across a young man named Noah. Can you recount that story? I, you know, I, I think it's such a it was the close to our Bible study last week. And I and I think a lot of us have been thinking about that conversation and the Noah's of our lives and and grateful for the way that you the way that that you handled that moment in terms of turning around and then going back. Tell us about Noah. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty unexpected. I'll, I'll tell you that. You know, I I walk my dog every afternoon, almost every afternoon, and and I walk her down on the Esplanade area of where we live, and and it's along the the cliffs of 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 the the Torrance Beach down here, um, and on that Esplanade, there's a about a two foot wall that that lines that that walkway, and. I was walking and had earphones in and was listening to something who knows. And, and it's probably four 30 in the afternoon. I saw this young guy up ahead of me sitting on this two foot wall. And as I approached and got closer, I saw that he started to cry. And uh, one of these just got choked up. He was by himself and, mm -hmm. and started to get choked up. And, you know, I, I looked and I was probably 10 yards away from him and walked up. And as I approached to him, you know, I, I said, Hey, are you okay? 
And he got kind of choked up and, and um, my dog, which is a golden retriever went in and nuzzled him, which was really, you know, beautiful and, and fantastic. But, you know, he started to cry and he said, no, not really. And I said, well, what's up? He said, um, my girlfriend and I are breaking up. I just looked in and I said, oh man, I'm so sorry. He's probably 15, 16 years old. You know, I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, uh, you know, listen, we've all been there. And he said, yeah, he says, but this is the first girl I ever loved. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, you know, just like a double whammy, just mm-hmm. killer. And, and again, it was like, you know, we've all been there type thing, you know? And, right. and uh, I asked him his name, what's your name? He said it was Noah. And I said, you know, Noah, listen, um, I mean, we just all been there. And I said to him, I, 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 I wish I had some wisdom to tell you right now and, and, you know, could just make it okay. But, you know, I just kind of don't, and, you know, you'll be okay. So just, just hang in there. And, and that's the kind of thing, you know, that, that was there. I, I really, I, I felt as if, you know, you're, you're in a place where not necessarily invited, didn't really want to impinge what didn't want to presume that, you know, he was inviting me in or whatever the case, although, you know, he was, he was chatting with me. So Mm -hmm. I took my dog and we started walking and I probably got 15 yards away from him. And, and all of a sudden the Holy spirit just like worked on me. It was just like, what do you mean? You have no wisdom, you know, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, I keep walking and it's like, you know, you didn't, this was like a golden opportunity for you, you know, and, and I've been involved with young life and, you know, this is a young guy. He's like, he's like a young life kind of kid, you know, what's <laughs> wrong with you? And I keep walking and, you know, just keep going. And, and I, I just felt this, like, turn around, talk to him, turn around, talk to him. So it was probably 30, 40 yards away. And I just, oh, I turned around and it wasn't that I didn't want to, it was just, mm, am I really going to impinge upon his life? Right. And so I did, I turned around, I saw that he was still there and I literally, I, I, I think I started sprinting towards this kid because I didn't want him to like get up and leave. And my, my divine appointment was going to be (laughs) (laughs) a wall, a wall. Exactly. So I, I came up and he was still sitting there and, and, and I said, Noah, I said, I gotta tell you something. I said, I don't, I don't know what your faith tradition or your faith walk is. I said, but I actually do have some wisdom for you. And that is that God loves you mm. and he will always love you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I said, now, listen, I, I wish somebody had told me this mm. when I was your age, frankly. And, and I said, and I'm not so sure that right now that's going to mean that much to you. I didn't want to presume that. I said, but I'm kind of hoping that someday maybe if it's today or it's some other day, you'll remember this. I mean, it's just that God doesn't leave us. He will mm-hmm. always love you. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, that that's the wisdom that I can share with you. You know, he was, he was gracious. Uh, it wasn't like he raised his hands and said, you know, I'm saved. You know, that was not the case. We're at the all. sinner's prayer right now, Brett. Please. Exactly. Exactly. It was, it was simply something that Again, we're just we're doing life together yeah. with people, right? Yeah. That's what it was. And I, I, I walked away, and as I walked away, I just quietly prayed for Noah, you know. And and since that time, I've actually prayed for Noah. I don't know where Noah is. I probably will never see Noah again, you know. Maybe I'll see him in heaven someday, and 
we'll uh, we'll chuckle about that whole thing. But uh, yeah, that was that was what happened. Well, funny story. Yesterday, I was having breakfast with a guy named Brett Brett McKenzie, another Brett M, mm-hmm. and he tells me the story. He said I heard the story from a from some friends of mine about a guy walking his dog. <laughs> well, he'd been having dinner with the with the Heffernans, so. I'm sure that it came up Saturday morning. Oh, Steve my. and Robin told it to Brett. Brett tells it to me, and I'm thinking I'm going to just let it be told without telling oh, him. Oh, gosh. I know the story. But hey, the point being that God's using this to give a lot of us a chance to think about these divine appointments. Right. Um, and, you know, the way that you, I'm, you know, I use the word intentional. We went to a Lakers game not too long ago, and, and you invited uh, a faculty member from West High who you didn't know well at all, but yeah. through your connection at, at Young Life at West High, we had the greatest conversation on the way there, on the way back at the game. Turns out this is a young man beginning his family, young man of faith. And, you know, it was part of the Brett Magpion, let's be intentional with our time conversation. You could have, you know, you had four tickets and you brought a guy that you didn't know and we made it, we all made a new friend. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah, it was good that you guys... Uh, welcomed him into, you know, our little foursome there. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, listen, I think he had a great time and I'm sure there'll be much more of that in the future. So yeah, it's yeah. great. Well, I look forward to that. You have written a book, uh, The Delta Theorem. And, you know, I, I've i heard you, you know, knowing you as long as I have, you know, I, I still have the business card you gave me with the Delta Theorem on it. <laughs> um, it wasn't the sexiest business card I've ever received, but it was effective. And and uh, and I could not wait to get my hands on this. And I gave out copies to friends who have been really, really encouraged by it. But, you know, here you are, Brett, you're you're in this transition from to, into retirement. You, you had said at 58 you were going to retire and you kept your word and you planned it out and you exited in a way that didn't leave the company that you were working for in a bad place. And then you decide, why not write a book and begin what I would consider a, a kind of a second career or a third career. But um, what, what were the forces that brought this, this, these principles together and then ultimately on a paper? Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 it goes back even a little bit further than that. I, I read a book, maybe some of the people listening, have read the book. Maybe you've read the book. It was called Halftime by Bob Buford. And, mm-hmm. you know, Bob talked about Bob as if I know him, you know, Mr. Buford talked about, <laughs> you know, that there are two halves to life. And and he suggested that the first half was success or some form of it. And the second half was significance. And, and what he was uh, encouraging those of us that are out there in the first half of life is, you know, keep an eye on that second half, um, and and always have an eye towards that. So I I, I did um, I just kind of lodged it away. Now I actually change it a little bit. I my life has been more of a a hockey match, uh, three periods of life. Right. I talk about that in the book um, that there are life stages, and you know I see the first stage of life as study. Uh, you know, just learning and and you're a scout, boy scout, girl scout, whatever the case is. And mm-hmm. the second stage is is success. Uh, it's an area where we're warriors, you know, or we're we're fighting for things and and uh, trying to conquer things. And and then the third stage is significance. And and 
I felt like that was a good layout for where I was in life in terms of just age and and what have you. That mm-hmm. you know, I was still young enough to be able to really have some significance. Now, that sounds like it's looking for honor or something like that. That's not it at all. It's talking yeah. about giving back. Like right. I I have learned a lot in my career, in my life, in my family, and in just my personal life. And and that third period was not one that I wanted to just skip out and keep it all to myself, but that if I really thought about what I could do to give back, then that would be what I wanted to try to do. And so the writing of the book is actually kind of that first step of putting down on paper some things that I just had as observations of mm-hmm you know, doing life, um, from my career and, and other things. So, you know, that's, that's really what it, uh, what it boils down to. No, I, and I love the warrior to sage stage transition, you know, that significance in sage. And it's such a profound idea and concept because we, lots of men, I'm just a few years ahead of you. So I meet men often who think that their best days and best years are behind them. Right. And that they're basically cruising, downshifting into uh, glory, basically like, hey, I'm I'm just going to work on my golf game and play with the grandkids. And hey, nothing wrong with either one of those. But significance, um, it doesn't look like it. the previous stages do. And seeing that we're both in the, you know, you're just the beginning and I'm again, a couple of years ahead. How, how would you coach a guy who's in his mid fifties and he's, he's still running hard and he's still building and maybe, maybe things are growing, but he can see, Hey, you know, I'm starting to slow down a little bit. How would you coach a a man in his fifties into a smooth transition into this, into the sage part of his life? Yeah, listen, I think that that is from my my desire, the beauty of the Delta Theorem, the book itself, right? I mean, why don't I get into it just a little bit here because I think it'll 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 Please. help in in answering this question, you know? So the Delta Theorem itself as you know is it it has the form of a math equation. I mean, that's the whole kind of thing of theorem, if you mm-hmm. will. And that math equation looks like this, alpha over P cubed by E F squared equals delta. Now, people are thinking, oh, you know, I was terrible in math. I, 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 I can't do that. It's terrible. It's not math. Right. It's literally not math. It is a framework. And here's what the framework says. Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. And so in this framework, alpha represents your, my, anyone's primary purpose. Their one thing, their reason for being. It's what the Japanese call ikigai, their reason for being. It sits on a foundation, which is P cubed, standing for priorities, principles, and passion. What happens in coaching is let's take that person who's, I don't know, 55, like you said, and I sit down with them and they're just wanting to figure out what do I do next? And I ask them, well, 
what's your purpose more times than not? And this is not age specific, mm-hmm. but oftentimes for the older, you know, kind of folks of us, they say, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Right. And by the way, it's too big of a question. And if I tell you what it is, does that mean it can never change? Right. I don't have the right. option of it being different. Mm-hmm. And so it's overwhelming is what I found inside of like just coaching where you lead with something as powerful as tell me your why, which mm-hmm. I'll come back there in a second. But if I say to you, Chris, you're 60, whatever, tell me what your priorities are. Well, I, I'm not sure. Well, are you a grandparent? Yes, I am. Are your kids, grandchildren, grandchildren priorities to you? Yes, they are. What about your kids? Yes, they are. Are you in a career? Well, I'm on the tail end of a career. You tease out these things that are priorities for people. Those are easier to like kind of think. What's most important for you? Mm. Then you go and or I go to them and I say, okay, tell me what your principles are. What, what do you mean principles? Well, what, is he, what do you stand for? What are the non-negotiables in your life? I'll give you one of mine. And it actually comes from a, a Justin Timberlake song for crying out loud. Here's what it says. Sometimes the greatest way to say something is to say nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the greatest way to say something is to say nothing at all, which means that a principle for me is that, hey, I'm going to assess a situation. Sometimes just keep my mouth shut and just listen, maybe more times than not, right? Mm-hmm. Or it could be, you know, the Ten Commandments. You know, I mean, there's just a number of principles that people live by, right? That that they should live by because nothing worse than having no principles at all, right? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. or having the wrong principles. Listen, we read Mein Kampf. Those were a bunch of principles. They were the wrong principles. You got to get the right ones, you know? So figuring that out is important. And then finally, if I say to him, all right, tell me what makes your hair go on fire. What do you just, what do you just love? What do you dig so much? And they'll come up with something. What I find is that for the 55-year-old or the 20-year-old or the 35-year-old, it doesn't matter. That when you overlap those three Ps, Mm -hmm. And you figure out like Olympic rings Mm -hmm. where they intersect. That's where purpose lies. Mm. And suddenly they can start to figure out, oh, I'm 55 and I do have purpose here. Mm -hmm. And I do know like what I'd like to do. And I do know what are the things that really make me just come alive and, and these kinds of things. So that's the process by which you know, you can, or I can help somebody that's at any stage in life to figure out what it is. And let me say something about going back on purpose. You know, I've done some physical events. You have too. Okay. And invariably in order to get through that, you better have a very powerful why of why you're doing something. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to do this thing, that's a crucible type event. It's not because somebody told me I should do it because I'm probably going to like bail out on the first thing that's like gone wrong. Mm -hmm. But if I have a very powerful why, then guess what? The uncomfort that I feel when talking with a Noah becomes something very, very different. That's right. My powerful why 
right now is to inspire people to come alive. Mm -hmm. And when I see a young kid that's crying on a two foot wall, I'm feeling like this kid is not feeling alive right now. I want to inspire this kid to come alive. That's my why. And that's why I'll turn around after 30 yards and say, man, you just missed a golden opportunity to live inside your why. Yeah. So, you know, look, I, I think that maybe more so than anything else, those of us who are long in the tooth really need to know a powerful why at that point in time. And it's there. It's there. It just needs to be sparked or revealed or understood or stated. Do you feel, and do you feel like, Brad, if if that if that is clarified and understood, that that is what can give a man enough courage to overcome the fear of declaring that and moving forward? Yes, I, I, it's, it's very, my experience has been in it's, 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 there's no formula for that. Right. right? right. I mean, sometimes it's just a person needs to be believed in like, no, 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 no. You're the real deal. Like, let me give you an example of why you think you're the real deal. And, and they're just, they kind of need that. Right. Or others are, are like, they're just not clear. They have too many choices and they want to be like, kind of, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look, if you have all these things going on, you, none of them are going to be important. So area priorities. I mean, we could like every single one of these things in our life stages is, is a priority. No, wait, mm-hmm. why don't we narrow down what your top three are right? and go through the process of that so that you're not so confused around that. Mm-hmm. They don't really need the confidence in that. They've got confidence. They need the clarity around narrowing things down is, is what I find. So, you yeah. know, it just depends on the situation and the person that, 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 yeah. Uh, well, what I love about the one of the things I love about this conversation is that you, you brought up Noah. And when you can come when coming alive with purpose on purpose, that that you see this kid and most of us over the age of 30 are intimidated by people in their teenage years with I don't know the current music. I don't know the movie. I don't know whatever. Right. And you not only do you talk to him, you went back and talked to him. And my belief is that when you are living your purpose on purpose, there's not a lot that can mess with you. You know, there's a sense that um, I I know what I'm here for. I mean, you know, and it's fluid to some degree, but when you've overcome and declared, and I think for a lot of us, me included, declaring, even if it's imperfect and we put it in pencil, is like a great moment of like, okay, I said it. I wrote it down. I told my coach. I'm. I read the book. I'm in my group. I'm in my men's study. We're doing this, and I'm. It's liberating. And I think for a lot of us as men, especially as we get older, we and we feel like, mm, no, there's more life than me, and there's there's something to offer. And that's where I think accepting. But hey, maybe I'm not going to win the record this year for you know whatever whatever competition there may be in at work or play. But knowing that maybe my greatest contribution is going to come with knowledge and wisdom and conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're it's actually teeing stuff up for the rest of the the theorem here, mm-hmm. right? Because right. all we just talked about was things that are very easy to then put on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. frame it, put it on my desk so that I can look at it every single day and do nothing about it. <laughs> okay. So 
it's alpha over P cubed by multiplied by E, which is effort. Mm. None of this stuff happens without you doing something. Right. You got to do something. You got to activate the purpose, the priorities, the principles, the passion. You got to put it into action. So I'll have a powerful why, inspire aliveness. But if I don't turn around and walk back to Noah, there's right. no effort whatsoever. It just right. sounds really good in a book that I had published, right? So right. effort is a is a critical, critical component of stuff. Now, listen, that's the it's almost the easiest part. It's the where that we all kind of go to, anyways, because you know, how many people are just being human beings? We're mostly mm-hmm. human doings, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the the question is, is are we doing the right things or the things that are like supportive of right. you know who we are as human beings? I, I like to think of the Delta theorem as human beings and human doings, you know, equaling human potential, right? Mm. That's what the deal is or human change agents or mm-hmm. whatever the case is, right? But but doing is definitely important. Doing is also inside the church, you know, the 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 default. Right. Let's call it what it is. Like right. you know, we we are we're encouraged to be doers all the time, right? right. Be doers right. of the word. Um so it's Listen, it's it's not that one side or the other is 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 right. It's this this kind of equal um, this equal measure, this equal understanding, this this framework that you're doing, you know, inside of stuff. Now, all that stuff again leads up to okay. I figured out what my purpose is. It's supported by this great foundation. Now I'm doing something, and guess what happens? You fail. You fail. Right. <laughs> Right. This is to me is the favorite part of the Delta theorem. You fail. That's F squared. Mm-hmm. This is the only place where math actually does come up. Because as I was contemplating this and, you know, kind of putting this together in my mind over, you know, many years, it just, it's for myself. It was for clients. It, it just, this is what, you know, I was thinking about. I realized that the first part of it was kind of empty because it didn't take into account that things don't always go well. Mm. And usually when things don't go well, it, it's, it feels like failure. Right. And failure for most of us, me included feels like a negative. Right. But this is where I think you actually have enjoyed this. I certainly did. It was certainly not something, I don't know how I came up with it. Honestly, I, I, I don't know. But I thought to myself that when you square a negative in math, it becomes a positive. Minus two times minus two is plus four. I don't get it. I'm not sure I'll ever understand that, but that is a fact. (laughs) And so the idea here is, is that it's the learning that comes from failure. Yeah. When we square up our failures, then we learn from those things. And that is where, you know, the greatest life lessons, you know, oftentimes come from. They studies have shown that success is not where great learning happens. Yeah. It's where failure has happened. The question is, is do you wallow in it? Do you fail forward fast? You know, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that 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 they have shown through, you know, research that yes, you got to get back on the horse. Now y- y- you have to think about it. 
You know, don't just pop up immediately. That's right. not learning. That's not no. squaring up. There's a process of squaring up. Sometimes it's licking your wounds. I, I don't need to tell you that one. Right. You know, I mean, it's. Well, fail. It's fail hard. Well, well, you mentioned in Richard Rohr in your book and and fail forward. Um, and then you got halftime up. I mean, th- these are classic books, for, particularly for men who are you wondering about, am I done? Is God done with me? Am I. Right. Am I just going to, you know, become fading off into the sunset? And then you mentioned in your in the in the, the Delta theorem, um, failure versus failing. Yeah. Can you talk about that for a moment? Because I think when you first when anyone first hears that, they think, "Wait a minute, are you saying the same thing?" No, failing and and being a failure are not the same thing. Yeah, they're not the same thing. Like you know, we all fail. It doesn't right. mean we're a failure. Right. Right. That's the difference: fail versus failure. It's like. You also the difference, you know, between shame and guilt, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we have guilt, but when you take on shame, it's a different story in and yeah. of itself, right? Yeah. So they're not the same thing. And and you know, I mean, I think that oftentimes we we do take on this moniker I have of I'm a failure mm-hmm. instead of wait, wait, I I failed. And now I'm going to learn from this failure. You know, one of the things I didn't include in the book, but I think it's it's pretty impactful, certainly as it has been for me, is something that John Eldridge talked about inside of, I think it was Wild at Heart. But, you know, he has this concept of the message of the arrows. And I, mm-hmm. I just, I love it so much. It's fantastic. And basically, in a nutshell, the message of the arrows looks like this. We put ourselves out there. We risk. By the way, without risk, there is no failure. Right. But if you never risk, it's guaranteed to fail, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? I mean, yep. because you're sitting somewhere doing nothing, right? Right. No risk. No, no that's failure. the Michael Jordan idea of every no shot you don't take doesn't go in, right? That's right. That's right. So, in any event, you know, we put our hearts out there. Let's say that you're, I don't know, you're an entrepreneur, and you put your heart out there. You're a salesperson, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're a father. You're a lover, right? Whatever the case is, you put your heart out there and inevitably it gets shot at. It doesn't work out. And it's an arrow that shoots right at the heart. And it just, it hurts, hurts. Like, oh, I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. The message of the arrows looks like this then. What are you learning from that particular arrow? Mm. All too often- what I think that we do is we take on the failure learning mm. and that failure leads to actions that look like I'll never do that again. Mm. I'll never do that again. I'll never put my heart out there for a- another, you know, uh, partner. I'll never take another chance on making a sale. Mm. I'll never take a chance on starting another business. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the message of the arrows. And guess where that leads to? A shell, mm-hmm. not life, right? right. We're talking right. about coming alive here, yeah. right? Right. right? Inspiring aliveness here. And so the message there is you suck. Mm-hmm. You're a failure. Right. Right. As opposed to what John Eldridge also proposes is what if you thought that that thing inside your heart, entrepreneurship, salesmanship, romance, loving, parenting, what if that in fact is your strength? 
Mm. And if it's your strength, why do you not think that your strength will be opposed? Mm -hmm. And if it's opposed, guess what's going to happen? Arrows are going to get shot at it. And so there is the space to say that the message of the arrow is, oh my goodness, I'm more dangerous than I ever thought I was as an entrepreneur. Wow. Oh my goodness. I have so much to give to somebody else in terms of how I can love this person that this is my strength Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to allow this arrow to be shot at. And I'm going to look at this failure as a negative. Mm. I'm actually squaring this up and it's actually something that turns into a positive for what we are and what have you. Mm. Um, It's just, I, it's, I, I've loved it. Now, listen, there's reality that comes into play. I mean, yes, you don't want to put your heart out there all the time. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> there's wisdom that comes from learning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you're going to learn from your failure. And it's not just like, well, I'm going to do that again. No, no, you're probably going to do it a little bit differently. But where the failure really comes in is if you never, ever do it again. Right. That's a right. problem. Right. And I think that insanity definition comes to mind if you're going to do the same thing over and over again. But part of, I think, that the Delta theorem can help a man with or anybody is, well, let's make some adjustments here. You've got a great idea. You've got great priorities and the purpose, but maybe there's some things in execution that that can be done differently for a different result. But um, how I think that men thrive when they have that net underneath them of grace. Typically, a father provides that, that messaging of failure versus failing. And maybe it's language that might be different, but that, that um, you know, I expect you to fail. I love you. And no matter what happens, I'm there. Who, when you were in the the scout and sage stage of, of your life, or the, not the sage, but in terms of, you know, getting going and, and being a study and learning and scouting and, um, who did God provide for you along the way for you to that spoke into your life and gave you that encouragement that you needed? Yeah, it 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 depended on kind of the circumstances. I I you know I didn't have any like one person right. that came through at all things. You know, the first test I ever failed as a kid was name the four seasons. I said <laughs> football, basketball, baseball, and hockey. <laughs> In my family, great answer. In my family, those were the only those seasons, were the only right? seasons that matter. I, mean, right? I was like, "F, what are you talking about? What winter, spring, summer, fall? Never heard of them before. Never heard of them." That's so, great. as it pertains to my growing up in athletics, my dad was fantastic. You know, I mean, he just he would he would smile, and you know, something would happen, and and I just I I knew that it was like. You're my boy, Blue. That's my boy there, right? And so, you know, that was that was certainly a, a component as it pertains to, you know, the thing that we shared. He was athletic minded as well, so we shared that, you know, deeply. Um, you know, as I as I grew in 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 my career and what have you, I, I'd say that much of it had to do with you know the ability to read of these uh, amazing authors. You know, like we're all talk about mentors. You know, I want to have a mentor. I want to have a mentor. Pick up a book. 
it's yeah. it's it's not free unless you go to the library but these are like mentors for us right. to like learn from and so you know i learned those kinds of those kinds of things from from books that i read mm-hmm. you know as it pertains to my faith walk you know i was fortunate to 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 fall under some really great pastors that were just they were they were great and they were also you know mini church pastors and and what have you i i I, I met this young pastor when I was, you know, relatively new. His name was Chris Cannon. Um, the guy just, he, he, he loved me up. And I mean that loved me up. And basically I could tell that he would look cause he would show up to crazy stuff. I was doing like having people come to a Hennessy's bar and read books. <laughs> and I just got this feeling of respect from him. Um, Mm. you know, it's, it's those kinds of things that, that I would be able to garner from. I didn't, I didn't think about it per se. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until it was really kind of like revealed that, oh, wow. You know, this notion of like really needing to be validated and, and these kinds of things. And, you know, you're my boy blue, you know, these kinds of things that, that are, that are really important, um, that I started to recognize it more so than I say I had previously, but they're there, you know, they are there and, and they oftentimes came in just little small ways, as long as I was willing to receive them. Well, you, you list some great books in, in Delta Theorem. And reminding the reader that you don't have to know someone to be mentored. And I think that reading and, and being curious, I think curiosity is such a great uh, skill or trait for anyone to have. But you don't, you don't have to. Some of our mentors might have passed away, but they're still actively mentoring us through their writing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you name them. I mean, one of the books, one of my favorite books that I write about in, in, the, in the Delta Theorem and, and quote from is a book called Relentless. And it's by Tim Grover, who was the, the, um, he was Michael Jordan's personal trainer. Hmm. And it is just a phenomenal, phenomenal book about, not about Michael Jordan, but about mindset, Hmm. about what it means to be relentless. You know, I talk about this in the area of effort, you know, yes, we put in the effort, but are, are you really relentless? Like mm. Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or, you know, others, they were just, they had a mindset that right. was um, amazing, truly mm-hmm. was amazing, but it wasn't just like born. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 they did the work, right? They, they developed they, that. They did the work and, you know, he happened to be there to, to really push them. Yeah, I, I, I'll just a little bit of a sidelight here, but I think it's worth it before I forget. You know, th- this book that 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 I released, uh, the publisher is asking, you know, you know, what category should we have it in, and in, in this kind of stuff, and you know, it's self self help is what it is, and and or at least that's the kind of categorization that many of these things are put in. But you think about it, self help really? Who does self help? <laughs> Nobody does the self help. Right. They read this book and then they don't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not self-help at all because they're not helping themselves. Right. I mean, realistically, I wrote this book as a coaching framework so that two people could work through it together. Mm-hmm. That somebody could say to them, okay, let's look at your priorities, your principles, your passion. Right. right? Yeah. Let's be a parent and work with a child. Let's right. be 
a boss and work with the staff people. Let, let's be a coach or a teacher and let's work with folks around that. But life is done in relationship, right? right. It's not self-help because we don't do anything usually with the books that we read. So yes, they're, they're there and they're out there and they're plentiful. But I would also say that don't just read it, you know, do it. Uh, yeah. Somebody asked me recently, you know, I want to hear from you. What is your stop, start and continue? Hmm. Oh, okay. So I said, I want to stop talking. I want to start giving and I want to continue trusting. Wow. I like that. Cause that's really what it is. Stop talking. <laughs> Start giving, as I said, giving back is what it's about for me. And that requires an action step and then continue trusting. Cause this is really is about, you know, trusting that God's got me. He's, he's, he's got me covered, whatever the, the, the situation is, you know, he's got me. So, you know, those are the three things that are important to me. Tell me, tell me about the cartel. You've got some guys that you meet with Saturday morning. <laughs> And, uh, and I, I think I know them all and I, but I, I also know that the talk that you guys enjoy together, isn't the classic guys having coffee at the same place and talking about one day, what if, uh, that's not kind of how you guys roll. So tell, tell us about what, what, what does the car tell? What do you guys do together? Yeah. Uh, so probably, oh gosh, I don't know, maybe eight, nine years ago, I, I, I said to a, a group of probably 30 people that I was at a, a semi retreat with, I said, Hey, listen, I'm going to be at coffee cartel in the Hollywood Riviera, which by the way, coffee cartel, the reason why I picked coffee cartel is that they have, and used to have the most gross couches you could possibly imagine for you to sit there and drink coffee in. Right. I mean, it was just, and I kind of knew that like, if somebody was going to show up, they were committed. They were committed. Nobody sits on those couches. Right. 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 <laughs> that was a little bit of the, the thing. It was a local place. How serious are you? Absolutely. Exactly. And so I said, I'm going to be there at six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Anyone shows up? Great. And for a year, nobody showed up. Uh, Literally, nobody showed up. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. I went down there and, and you know, I wasn't looking to recruit or anything. It was just, that's what I was going to do. Suddenly, somebody asked me, hey, like, you still doing that Saturday thing? I said, yeah. Said, well, okay, well, maybe I'll come. One person came, right? So then it was just the two of us for the longest time. And then, you know, another person came and then there's three of us, you know, and then another person came, there's four of us. And now there's probably a consistent four, five, you know, over the years, some guys have come in, some have, have left and that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's been, that was the coffee cartel kind of like lineup, if you will. We've been mm -hmm. doing it for eight, nine years. Like I said, yeah, yeah. here's the thing that we, you know, talk about, we talk about, you know, stuff that guys talk about, like, you know, who's stronger, Captain America or the Hulk, you know, I mean, these are the things that we're talking about. The important there. things. The important things. <laughs> Who do you think would win? Captain America or the Hulk? <laughs> no, we uh, we we talk about depending on you know kind of the week. There's no agenda. It can be anything from uh, what's going on with our kids, uh, what's going on in the culture in our kids, 
well, what's going on uh, in our workplaces? What's going on in the culture in our workplaces? What's happening, you know, in our marriages and what's going on with the culture in our marriages? You know, mm. we're just, we're having conversation around things that, uh, it, it, that are not inorganic, meaning they're not forced. They're just us doing life together and, and building relationship. And, you know, somebody comes in and, and it's, it's comfortable usually because, you know, there's not this, this hidden, we've got all the the secret handshakes that's been going on. It's just, right. Hey, come on in. And, and, you know, if you want to say something great, it's just open dialogue inside of stuff. And, you know, it's been, it's been really, really great. I, I know that for me personally, look at, I'm, I'm, I'm not the leader of this gang. I'm not at all. I don't have any agenda. I never wanted to have an agenda inside. I just wanted to show up and be there. And that's what has happened. And there's been many times when I've been on the recipient end of, you know, some real uh, great encouragement, um, mm -hmm. you know, from, from people when, at a time when I needed it, you know, I just, yeah. I just needed that encouragement. And, and it's also afforded me the opportunity to um, sometimes speak up, but I've also followed on Justin Timberlake, you know, sometimes the greatest way to say something is to say nothing at all. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. just be there for people. Just, just be there, you know, Amen. that that's what they really want. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a great, you know, kind of thing and, and uh, so enjoyable and yeah, I'm there, you know, pretty much if I'm in town, I'm there on Saturday. And Jaden with you. Jaden's there. Yes. <laughs> Last question. Uh, a president you'd like to have a beer with? Oh, wow. Uh, relatively easy. I mean, I think Abraham Lincoln was the most amazing, you know, individual I could just, uh, just amazing. I mean, how does this man write in three paragraphs or even less the Gettysburg right. address. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is just amazing. And how does a man have that kind of fortitude to be able to, you know, know what is right? Um, probably conflicts from my understanding for himself personally mm -hmm. inside of things. And yet just have this, this, this something, this something that is just, you know, fantastic. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that much about frankly, civil debates, those kinds of things, but in a time when it seems like civility is not really what's being happening these days inside mm -hmm. of, you know, meaty discussions, this, this is a man who seemed to, you know, be able to pull that together. So, Listen, I, I I think it would be easy for me to listen to Justin Timberlake and and follow him if I was sitting across a beer from from Abraham Lincoln because I I would just want him to tell me like what what tell me tell me the real deal man just tell right. me tell me some stuff here so yeah Abraham Lincoln you know and the the fact that he wrote his own material, right? I mean, in, in an age where we have speech writers and you're never quite sure, and we have Google and now we have AI writing our term papers or things like that, Yeah. that he put that down and he, he counted his words and he was the, the man that 
the book Team of Rivals, this idea of bringing together people that we don't agree with the same ideas and philosophy, but we're better together, truly. Um, the 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 self-assurance, not in a vain way, but the confidence they, you know, I mean, basically it was kind of like he'd taken the the Delta theorem course, you know, and and said, hey, I know what I'm about and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let anything stop me from getting getting done what needs to get done. Yeah, listen, you know, I I I think that if I reverse engineered the the Delta theorem kind of conceptually and looked at someone like Abraham Lincoln, it would just it would be right there, right? Priorities and principles and passion, all three of those things. And mm -hmm. talk about purpose and effort. And the man failed. I mean, he failed and he he learned from those failures. By the way, the last part of the Delta theorem, which we didn't talk about, all that equals delta, right? It's alpha over p cubed by E F squared equals Delta and Delta is the symbol for change. Mm. It's the symbol for impact. Mm -hmm. It's what I'd like to say, the symbol for making a difference. Right. So, you know, my, my kind of thought process inside the Delta theorem was starting with, you know, someone like Victor Frankl, who, survived the Holocaust and wrote Man's Search for Meaning, which right. is an amazing book. And, and in it, he said, you know, one of the key things of man is that they want to know they matter, that there's mm. meaning in their life. Right. And, and that is important. And so I, I kind of reversed engineered, you mm -hmm. know, the Delta theorem by starting with, okay, look at if meaning is kind of what it's about, then what is it that we could do to like, kind of put ourselves in the best position to, you know, create change or impact or meaning. Right. By the way, I, I was very specific about the words I just used there. Put us in the best position. Listen, this looks like a formula. It's not a formula because there is no formula for life. Mm -hmm. Life is lived. Math equations are formulaic and black and white. Mm -hmm. But life, life's lived in color, right? Amen. I mean, it's yeah. different. So Chris, your Delta theorem solution is totally different than my Delta theorem solution. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while some might say that, well, yeah, as a Christian, don't I already know what my purpose is? And, you know, it's like, okay, yes, you, you got that shortcut. That's great. But uh, okay. Really? I mean, is that, is that just sound good? Is that like, well, it looks like a squirrel, but I'll say Jesus, right? right? You know, that kind of thing. Or is it really like what it matters to you? And is it really a powerful why so that you'll do what, you know, will get you through in those times when it's really, really tough. So yeah, listen, it's about trying to create impact, make change and, and what have you, you know? So yeah. Stop talking, start Giving, giving, keep trusting, continue trust, trusting, continue trusting. Yeah. And if we, you know, I, I was thinking as you're talking about being positioned uh, near your house, there's a, a surf spot called Haggerty's. It's a great wave. I grew up surfing as a kid and, and there's a channel in, the, in there, which means basically you can paddle out in the waters deep and their waves don't break there. So you can say you're a surfer, get your hair wet, but catching waves is a different story. So mm. Getting into the impact zone, positioning yourself where the waves break is yeah. really what we're talking about. Getting in position, and your the Delta theorem gives me and gives us the tools to to basically catch the wave. You might say that's right, and uh, and that's the joy that you get to have. I mean, as an author, as a coach, as a as a businessman, as a father, as a husband, and a friend, 
uh, you take you're taking the best of what God has taught you. And uh, so how do people get a hold of you? How do people find Brett Magpion? The easiest way is to go to www.connectwithbrett1t.com. Literally connectwithbrett.com. And there you will find, you know, connections to other websites that I'm, you know, engaged on in the book and, you know, all various things. So it's just the easiest way, connectwithbrett.com. Excellent. Brad, I can't thank you enough for taking time to be with me today and be with our our, our friends on um, Sword and Shovel. And I hope we have you back again in the future. Be great. Thanks, okay. Chris. Thank All you. Right.